Why do we not have bubbles in here? We should have sent somebody to like the dollar store to pick up a thing of bubbles. Okay, so but there are machines that just like produce the bubbles with the bubbles. We should every time we talk about bubble watch, we should have bubbles floating around in the studio. Oh boy. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, from his very, very prestigious study. He's been reading a ton of books. I hope somewhere in there, Blaine, there is an explanation about why Jerry Palm still has BYU in his bracket. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's book is it's it's up up here, um, and I've read it. I've read I've read I've read every book in my library except for well, there's a couple right here I haven't read yet. I haven't read that shelf, but every other book I read, and I don't yeah. and I don't know what's in that jar right there. But let let it be known that I that I'm a avid reader and I've read every book in my library. Yeah, with every, those few exceptions. Yeah, no one owns a book they haven't read. <laughs> That is 100% false. You buy the books you think you want people to think you read, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I like exactly. how Journal of Discourse is in there, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you got to have that there, of course. And I've read that cover to cover multiple times. Clearly. So Orson Pratt, incredible. Yes. Yes, yes. Our well-read, all-star, <laughs> dual-thread analyst Blaine Fowler is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, in all seriousness, I'm looking at Jerry Palm's bracket, the CBS lead bracketologist, and he still has BYU men's basketball firmly in the field which is exciting but he's kind of on a hill of his own so why do you think if BYU does get in that they will get in what's the case for BYU still at this point well he's been consistent all year and if you kind of go back to the very beginning of the year and as the league got kind of going after the non-conference schedule he was always saying hey I think the WCC is as strong as they've been uh, Four team, you know, four bid league this year, strength of their non-conference, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, San Francisco, BYU. And so he hung his hat on that early and he's still hanging his hat on that saying that, Hey, that loss to San Francisco um, wasn't as, you know, wasn't an awful loss. Um, and he also must be having, holding out hope that, the NCAA tournament committee actually does what they say they do and they value the entire season. So they go back and look at the good wins for BYU and look at the season in its entirety and maybe don't hold that horrific week um, with an up, upside down exclamation point around the Pacific loss in that terrible week of two losses, actually terrible couple of weeks um, that, that really derailed uh, BYU season. If, if it wasn't for that week, even that one week, they would be firmly in the field in everybody's bracket and we wouldn't be on a bubble watch and we wouldn't be doing any of this. And so, so why do I think Jerry Palm's doing that? I think he, he took a stand early on that the whole season mattered. He took a stand early on that the WCC was a strong league this year and should be rewarded for that. And he, and, and he, and he still thinks that that's a possibility. Um, but the rest of us are on bubble watch like no other. And it, and it, and it doesn't help when Oklahoma beats Baylor right? That an 18 and 14 team. And it doesn't help when Virginia tech beats Notre Dame and St. Louis wins and Miami wins when they're not supposed to win. Like, why are we even watching those things? It's because we go back to that week that I'm talking about. And otherwise we wouldn't even care what those teams are doing right now. 
I'm not watching those games because I don't believe BYU is going to get in. I wish they would, but I'm not. I'm not watching with the same interest I would if BYU had beaten San Francisco, right? Which is tough because yes, if BYU beats Pacific, there's no quad three or four losses, and if BYU beats Santa right. Clara, that's a fifth quad one win. BYU's in. BYU's in. May have not even needed the quarterfinal uh, game against San Francisco. Who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah, and, and I, th- I think with, with a San Francisco win, we're not bubble watching either. I think right. with the San Francisco win, we're going, they're not on the bubble. That that game was huge. And let's face it, San Francisco is good. Yep. Like I, as we watch them you know, up close and personal in the tournament, they've got, they got all of the makings of being a really, really good team. They've got size. They've got great guard play. They, they have all of that. I remember saying um, the night, night before they were going to go up against Gonzaga. Let's see how Shabazz does against um, the Gonzaga guard line. Yeah, he was ridiculous again. Bouye wasn't quite as good, but that's a really good team. Um, and and they're better than BYU right now. Uh, they might not be better than BYU if BYU had everybody that they had at the beginning of the season. The whole league might have been different if you keep Harward and, and Gavin Beckshire, but they don't have them, and so we are on the bubble watch. One thing I noticed in my bubble watch, though, good to be in the Big 12. You know, that's like here, here we are with Oklahoma at 18 and 14. There's 7-11 in league play. And we're talking about with that win over Baylor, there's a possibility of doing the tournament. Get a lot yeah. more leeway when you're in that kind of a league. And you think about BYU's record, you look at quad one wins, you look at all of that, and you would think, well, wait a minute, BYU's record and, and their resume should be significantly ahead of Oklahoma, but no, because Oklahoma's in the Big 12, and that's valued, and an 18-14 and 14 team with a 7-11 and 11 conference record is in consideration. So that, that's the difference. BYU has that to look forward to in a couple of years, and I think we'll find out that 18 and 14 is not that easy, and 7 11 league is not that easy in that league. Yes, and I hope uh, BYU can get seven wins in the Big 12 in 18 games. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's going to be oh, brutal. Yeah. Like, how many, who are you beating? Uh, you're hoping that UCF stinks. How many games are you playing with them? You're hoping you can. It's super tough. It's super tough. So, yeah. yes, it's going to be a learning curve. We're going to be cashing checks we've never cashed before as as a university. It's going to be awesome. But, yeah, if you can go 7-11, have a decent decent non-con, it's a totally different model that Utah embraced a couple years ago and in basketball still hasn't quite figured out. But, obviously, in football, they go easy in the non-con most of the time and then get after it in conference play. That's how you do it. And I I will say that basketball is a little easier. To to be really good in basketball – with the way the transfer portal works now and big time recruits work now, it's not like football in football. I mean, you need 40 guys. You need 40 really good guys. You not only do you need to be good in your, um, uh, and I'm talking on each side of the ball. Not only do your, your 22 starters and specialists need to be good. You almost need to be du- double at every single soft trade position in basketball. If you have three crazy talented guys and a couple of role players, you can win a lot of games. So if you, if you can get those guys in something, so it's not quite as hard to turn things around. And I think BYU is going to look really different two years from now um, than they look right now. They got to go out and, the, and they've got to find some guys before they get in the big 12 or eight. We'll, we'll be going. We wish they were seven and 11 in the league. Blaine Fowler is on BYU sports nation. Blaine, I know you're dialed in on BYU women's basketball as well. And looking at ESPN's bracketologist, Charlie cream, he has BYU as a five seed why do you think BYU is a dangerous team as they approach the NCAA tournament? Because I've heard you say that about them. They're a dangerous team. Why is that? Yeah, I, I think they've been underrated all, all season long. I, I think going into the tournament, you know, they ended up with that 15 rating right there as they entered the WCC tournament. Um, and, and there's one exception to this. 
they didn't do this in the game against Gonzaga. And maybe it was a little bit of pressure and maybe it was good for them. Like, I'm not so sure that Mark few was sad that, that Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's, um, you know, a, a week or so ago, because it was a lot, it allowed him to get their attention and to say, listen, you know, we're not without flaws. So let's, let's work on these things and shore them up before we get into the tournament. I think Gonzaga in the long run on the men's side is going to be better for that loss to St. Mary's and, and has a chance to get to the final four again for BYU's women. You know, I think that they were maybe thinking, man, we're, we're unbeatable. We're flawless. We don't have a weakness. Um, but what's very apparent is their guard play has to live up to their talent level for them to be good and great guard play wins tournament games and Shaley Gonzalez and, and Paisley Harding and Albiero and, and Graham, who's a shooter on the outside. They, they all struggled in that championship game against Gonzaga. And maybe that's an eye opener. Now they can get to work and they can return to who they were all season long when they only lost two games, um, you know, leading up to that championship game. I think they have the guard play. I think they're physical enough and have enough size that they can make a, a big statement in this NCAA tournament. Teams with great guards win tournament games. Uh, now let's so let's take that Gonzaga game out of there because once in a while, everything doesn't fall for you. Um, I think these guards are going to turn around now and play with a chip on their shoulders and and correct what they did in that in that Zags game, and that's the formula for success. Their guards are so good and so experienced. They will win games in this NCAA tournament, and I and you know if they're not in the Sweet 16 and possibly the Elite Eight, I'll actually be surprised. Yes, because this team went to the second round last year, lost a close game to Arizona in a game when Wentz Paisley Harding had a broken hand, but played through it. Unbelievable. Right. Yes, it is Sweet 16 for this team. The expectation is to win two games, and that's even if they're a six. I think right. If they're a five, obviously oh, yeah. you play a 12, and then you're playing a four, a 13. We still expect BYU to win that. Even if BYU is a six, we expect BYU to beat a three in the second round on their home court. The expectations are high for yes. this group. Yeah, and and like my expectation is Sweet 16 is the baseline. They just have to be who they are. They need to play relaxed. Guards need to to defend and, and shoot the ball with confidence. Um, the, I, I think Elite Eight is not out of the question for this basketball team. Sweet 16 to me is the baseline. They have the talent. They, they don't have a lot of weakness unless they shoot the ball horrifically, um, which they did in that Gonzaga. They yeah. literally, I, we're talking about Paisley at three of 15 and Shaley at seven of 18, Albiero two of six and Tegan at one of six. Yeah. I mean, the team shot 32% and 22% from the three point line. And, and, and Gonzaga is a good team defensively and, and, and at least as a game plan knows them as well as any, anyone for That's the one beauty of the tournament. Um, it's harder to win in league when you play against teams that, they know your coaching style. They know what you like to do. They, they're, they're better at taking you out of the things you do best. They're most familiar with you. And really good coaches like Lisa and like Juddy, it's a great job. It's always a tough matchup in league play, especially when you're playing a team for the second or third time, right? And so in the tournament, teams are playing in for the first time. They're going to have a heck of a time trying to control that guard line for BYU. So Sweet 16 to me is the baseline for this women's team, and Elite 8 is not out of the question. I will not be surprised in any way, shape, or form if this is an Elite 8 basketball team. Blaine Fowler is on BYU Sports Nation. Let's end with spring football, Blaine. What's the latest from the Cougars? Because we've been so focused on basketball, rightly so, it's March, that now football's kind of faded to the back. They're still doing their thing in spring football. But what's the number one storyline right now happening with BYU spring football? Uh, there's a couple of things. The, the offense 
really good. They look like in regular season form, not in spring form. And that's kind of always the case when you have a returning starter at quarterback. But they don't just have a returning starter um, in Jaron Hall. And by the way, watching him right now in spring ball, like watching him yesterday compared to last spring, he, he is so much further ahead in and how quickly he's making decisions and how quickly he's getting the ball out, throwing the ball with confidence and accuracy and velocity. He just, he looks really good. He's, and you know how we reserve the word elite for very few people on this show. That's right. right. <laughs> and, and we, so in spring ball, I'm going to give him the elite tag. He looks like an elite, elite quarterback on a national level in practice. And, and I've seen a number of practices already. And he's the, the good news is he's surrounded with depth at every single position on the offensive side. They do not have a position without talent and depth on the offense. Defensively is where I've been watching to see if we can shore up some things on the defensive side of the ball, watching specifically the D line. And, and I'm convinced now after two weeks that there's some new guys that are going to have a, a big impact. Hey, Logan Fano, we, you know, we talked about him. He looked really good yesterday in practice and they have some youngins like, like Mitchell, but the guys that played last year's young guys, big, fast, nasty dudes right now. I'm talking like Nelson Mangelson, baddies bigger. So I, I think they're gonna be really good in the D line. And, and as I watched that linebacking core was a strength to start the year starters were the strength and they just didn't have the depth to hold on as they had multiple injuries at that position. So now what I'm looking at is, has that depth last year that had to play? Are those guys developed enough that if they have injuries, they're going to be better? I think I think they've shored that up. So defensively, I think they're going to surprise some people. Offensively, I don't know that it's a surprise. This should be a really good offensive team. I think everybody expects that. Defensively, I think they're going to be able to do a lot more things because they're deeper. I think we'll see them play more aggressively, play more man. You know, it's all based on what they see on the other side of the ball. If you're seeing a spread team, you, the way you play a spread team is to, to play more coverage and drop more people. They play fewer of those kinds of teams this year. I think they have the personnel to man up and get after a little bit more. So I think defense will be a pleasant surprise. Offense will live up to expectations. Everybody expects them to be good. Defense will be better than people think. Next year's the year I've been looking forward to. Last year, I thought they'd win eight games. So I think they overachieved, even with all the injuries. This year, I thought they'd win 10 games. And, I, and I'm sticking with that after two weeks of spring ball. I think this is a 10-win talent type of team. Let's go. All right, Blaine, uh, you've covered everything, and now you need to get back to reading behind you. So we're going to let you go yeah, back to I, your study and figure some things sports, out. First. <laughs> sports is all good, but once in a while, I mean, this whole shelf right here, that right there, that's all philosophy, and I need to get back into philosophy. <laughs> I failed a philosophy class at BYU, fun fact. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Socrates, yeah. Plato, you know those guys? Morons. I love Plato. <laughs> so. Oh, that <laughs> wait, that's a that's a, that's a that's a very obscure reference to a movie, and I gotta see if you guys know. <laughs> I, that's that's the great that's the great Vicini from the Princess Bride. Oh yes, that's goes, right. You've heard, of, you've heard of Socrates, Plato, and he goes morons. Mor- <laughs> <laughs> so. Inconceivable. Yeah, I don't think he knows what that means. Yeah. So, yeah. Blaine, good to talk to yeah. you, man. Hey, that's on BYU TV sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> never start a land war in Russia. And never, uh, what do you say? Never start a land war in Russia and never um, uh, challenge deal a, with a, a Sicilian. Yeah, never a challenge Sicilian a Sicilian when, when death is on the line. <laughs> a Sicilian. <laughs> never challenge a Sicilian when death is on the line. When death is on the line. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. Falls over. So. Princess Bride. I love it. Great stuff. Blaine, thanks for letting us uh, celebrate Friday the right way.
you guys. <laughs> this audience knows that movie. Like, I don't know what it, BYU, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day We love that movie. It's on BYU TV sometimes. It's the other day we had Hoosiers an on, all-timer. by the way. Another, was... another all-timer. Oh, man, we have some good movies yep. on this channel. Good programming. How about that? That's great. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. <sighs> Spence, what happened Saturday against San Francisco? Well, to sum it up, Jerem, BYU just did not play a very good basketball game. And let's specify some things. BYU didn't make three-pointers. you got to make threes to try and offset some of the size that San Francisco absolutely has and is an advantage for the Don. So that's where it starts is the three-pointers didn't go down as much as people want to complain about the officiating, and it was awful <laughs> on both sides of the ball. This was about BYU not making shots. you got to make shots. They just didn't. I thought BYU's defense overall was pretty good. Uh, Khalil Shabazz and Jamari Bouye got going there a little bit in the second half, but they're part of the best backcourt in the conference. You know what you're going to get from them. Better than Gonzaga? BYU just – I'm telling you what, Jerem, like in terms of individual skill sets, like Gonzaga's a better team for sure. Yeah. Gonzaga's backcourt is incredible for sure. But like individual skill sets, just like I think Jamari Bouye and Khalil Shabazz absolutely could beat Gonzaga's guards in two-on-two or one-on-one. Yeah, I think they're that that good. They're just such good scores. And uh, they did a good job of really preventing Alex Barcelo from getting going. That was Shabazz primarily. I thought his defense was outstanding. So you got to make shots to offset the size. And uh, it just kind of fell off the tracks from there. But, like, really, really, uh, BYU, we we saw the lack of size from the Cougars, and it just was accentuated by the fact that San Francisco made more shots. Yeah, there was the uh, dunk at the end. Uh, San Francisco made two more shots in the whole game. Um, that was it, right? Uh, but four more threes. So, yeah, let's quantify some of the things you were saying there. 38% shooting, you're not going to win against a tourney team when you do that. Although, San Francisco didn't uh, shoot a much better at 43%. So, defensively, I felt like the door was open there, but BYU didn't walk through it on offense, like you said. Uh, 49 combined fouls, 55 free throws. Not as bad as the Santa Clara-San Diego women's game which featured 88 free throws and 60 fouls, which you called uh, the other day, which was super fun. Uh, but, yeah, 63 <laughs> points scored is tough, and uh, BYU's probably out, right? We'll, we'll talk in a second about what we think about their chances, but just doesn't feel like there's a good shot here. Jerry Palm's, like, uh, going to die on the BYU's in the tourney hill, uh, which is cool, and if it really happens, that's great. Maybe on Sunday we're like, hey, we actually got in. This is, we're, we were fine the whole time. We were worried. I don't know. It is disappointing, though. Because we live in a world where this season, someone not named Gonzaga in St. Mary's is better than BYU in the WCC. Every time that happens, it's disappointing. So that's the case this year. Uh, because if BYU is better than San Francisco on Saturday, BYU is going to the dance. And uh, it is unfortunate. I felt like Foose wasn't going to have a good game against the size of San Francisco. I was wrong. He did. 16-12. and 12. Like, Foose, has, he, Foose gave BYU a shot this season to at least be bubblicious. Foose, I would argue... For, if you're talking straight value on this team, probably the MVP. AB is the best player. He's the leader. But I'm talking value for what happened with those injuries. Foose is the MVP of this season. He showed up. That was great. And uh, I hope BYU's next game is in the first four. 
No question. He was fantastic. Uh, the first four conversation is interesting, and certainly when I had an opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one with Mark Pope after a very disappointing loss, that was brought up. Also, the message to his team, and frankly, I told him to pitch BYU to the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. So here's my interview with Mark Pope, one-on-one. -on -one. Coach, I know you haven't had much time to process the loss against USF, but what was your message to the team, and where do you go from this point? Well, uh, my message to the team is I, I'm so proud of them. You know, we didn't play great tonight, but they put their whole heart on the floor. And we're not in the business of moral victories. Uh, you know, we're here to win. But, but, you know, the first step in doing that is to have a full commitment uh, with your heart and soul. And those guys certainly passed that first hurdle. We just couldn't pass all the other hurdles after it. And these guys have done that all season. Um, and uh, it's a really special group. Um, you know, in the end, like we haven't, we haven't so far managed uh, all the success that we hoped for. But this is a special group of guys that still has great basketball in front of them, and and um, it's just, it just is. I'm just really blessed to be able to work with these guys. Now I know the big question for the committee and the people deciding who gets into the tournament is, well, how do you assess a team like BYU? And Credit to you for winning 22 games and your guys losing Richard Howard, Gavin Baxter, not having Seneca Knight available. So with all that said, what would your uh, message to the selection committee be about hopefully including BYU in the field of 68? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, listen, we have a, we have a great track record of, of a season, a, a body of work that I think is really, really impressive. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the, the, the teams ranked ahead of us, there's 45, give or take a few teams uh, in the metrics that are ranked ahead of us, and only three of those have played a harder non-conference schedule than us. So if you care about teams going out to play every single competitive game they possibly can, I think that's something to take in consideration. I think it's important. Um, and I also think that playing that schedule sometimes can, sometimes it can, it can wear you out in moments. And certainly we felt a little bit of that with injuries. We felt a little bit of that with everything else. But, you know, I think that that's something that I hope, you know, as we kind of rest here on this bubble, if you're, if you're talking about like, hey, this is a bubble team, but they went out and played the hardest non-conference schedule of anybody ranked ahead of them, almost three teams, I think that's what I would push teams for. We want to see great basketball. We want, we want teams to go out and chase it. And these guys certainly did. If you had to make an adjustment pushing into the postseason just to kind of get your guys right, mentally, physically, uh, schematically, what would those changes be? Well, listen, I mean, you know, we had a lot of things today. It was, it was a little bit weird for us today. We, we've, been, we've been dealing with pressure at the point of attack for the last three weeks, and we, we dealt with it really well. And, and, and inexplicably tonight, our, we, just, we, just, we just were a little bit rushed and a little bit harried, and we kind of lost some of that decision-making that we made. Give credit to uh, San Francisco. Their on-ball pressure is great. Their, their second defender is really, really big and long and mobile, and so that has something to do with it. But us in terms of like our play at the point of attack um, is something we really need to prove on offensively. We got out rebounded for the third consecutive time against San Francisco, and we're, we're close. Our guys are fighting. They're battling. We just got to find a way to, uh, to get more guys in the mix. And then, and then in terms of on the offensive end, not just the point of attack, but our functionality of like, you know, I feel like we made good growth over the last three weeks in terms of playing with an edge, and I thought we made, which we did tonight for most of the game, and I thought we made great progress in this overlying theme with all the specifics underneath of it of, of making plays for our team. And today, it was just it was harder for us, and so uh, those are areas we'll keep keep growing in, and and um, 
you know, we have guys that are performing better and better every game, and, and I'm excited about the future of this team basketball-wise. Like, we, we have good stuff ahead of us. I, I continue to believe we have really good basketball ahead of us, notwithstanding the disappointment tonight. How would you define the season to this point? Um, I think these guys have battled, man. I, I'm, I'm just so proud of everything they put into it. Uh, you know, it's... Um, it's 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 been a season that's been really really competitive. Uh, you know these guys have logged a ton of really important wins about wins that show better now than they did when we originally got them. Uh, guys that have taken on like like we talked about one of the hardest schedules in the country that we could possibly put together and and um, and I think we haven't finished the story yet. That's what I'm excited about. Now, if it is the NIT. Obviously, your guys want to play in the big dance, the NCAA tournament. But if it does come to the NIT, how do you get your guys ready to play in that tournament? I don't have these guys. These guys are ready to play. Uh, I think we're going to spend zero time thinking about the NIT right now. We're hoping to, to find our way in the NCAA tournament. And unfortunately, now for the next eight days, all we have to do, well, the only thing we can do is sit and hope, wait, pray. So that's what we're going to do. Some scoreboard watching. And uh, you know what? We'll throw in some BYU Sports Nation karma. The things shake out on the bubble in your favor. Mark, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming over. Thanks, baby. All right, BYU head coach Mark Pope, obviously frustrated and, uh, as he said, praying that things shake out his way on the bubble, Jerem. But I want to go back to a soundbite because he says that maybe the resume is impressive enough. So let's replay that little segment where he's stating his case for BYU basketball. Uh, I mean, listen, we have a, we have a great track record of, of a season, a, a body of work that I think is really, really impressive. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the, the, the teams ranked ahead of us, there's 45, give or take a few teams uh, in the metrics that are ranked ahead of us, and only three of those have played a harder non-conference schedule than us. So if you care about teams going out to play every single competitive game they possibly can, I think that's something to take in consideration. I think it's important. All right, Jerem, is Mark Pope right? Is BYU men's basketball still an attractive option based on the body of work with the difficulty of schedule and the quadrant one and quadrant two wins in spite of them kind of tailing off? Yeah, and, and to end the season, BYU won five of seven, so it's not like BYU won, you know, yeah. went two and five, uh, but, but they were LMU and Pepperdine, you know, wins three against LMU. It's tough because BYU's 55 in net. The net strength of schedule is 64. I know that Mark said, hey, we went out and challenged ourselves. The net non-conference strength of schedule is 106. It's not as good of a number as I think he was hoping for. The four quad one wins is good. There are teams ahead of BYU like Rutgers with six. Wyoming's got four and a chance for more in the Mountain West Conference tournament, which might be a four-bid league. Xavier has five. The teams behind BYU like Dayton has two. Um, you know, net strength of schedule 117. So there are some good numbers for BYU, but I'm not sure that in six days it's going to be good enough to get in. And for, and, well, I'm mostly sure that it's not. I, I just we there has to be a miraculous string of chalky things and for BYU to have a shot here. So I'm not confident uh, that BYU is going to get into the NCAA tournament. Had BYU beat San Francisco, boom, they're on the right side of the bubble, and uh, you play tonight against Gonzaga and you see what happens, but. Not feeling too great about the chances here, which is disappointing. In the end, uh, you know, a Pacific loss costs BYU here. If BYU does not lose Pacific, BYU's in right now. Um, you know, if BYU wins one more time against San Francisco or St. Mary's somewhere, certainly in at that point. So those, those two factors certainly played into this season. And, of course, Baxter and Harvard are a huge talking point here. But BYU did an excellent job of overcoming that for a long time. 
but then finally the dam broke. Yeah, and for what it's worth, some things did fall in the right place for BYU over the weekend in terms of the bubble because there were no bid stealers out of the Ohio Valley Conference. Murray State won there. Loyola Chicago won the Missouri Valley. And a bunch of teams behind BYU lost, which is why the Cougars are still only two out, according to Joe Lenardi. And if you look at Jerry Palm's bracket, that's the big reason why BYU is one of the last four teams in in a 12 seed. Uh, but how long can BYU hold on with their current metrics? I mean, when you look at the resume, their net number is 55. That's not typically, speaking of BYU and mid-major conferences, been a winning number for those teams to get into the lottery that uh, sometimes is the NCAA tournament. If you're in a Power 5 conference and you have a net of 55, you got a better shot. But that's not the case for BYU. So Ken Palm, 49. Uh, the Athletic also has BYU as the first team out. It's going to take a team like Wyoming, a team like SMU, those teams with Michigan kind of laying an egg in the Big Ten tournament, and Indiana not playing well in the Big Ten tournament. It's going to take a lot of things for BYU maybe, maybe to sneak in, but it ultimately comes down, Jerem, to what the committee values the most. Do they value the net ranking the most? Do they value the strength of non-conference schedule the most? Do they value the quad one wins the most? Who knows? And if that's where the human element comes into play in this is what does the committee and the personnel on this year's specific committee value the most? If they value quad one wins and quad two wins and they put a great deal of emphasis into that and they're comparing like, hey, BYU played a tougher non-conference schedule than SMU or than Wyoming. If those things happen, that's where the human element benefits BYU. But that net ranking really, really uh, feels like is hurting BYU in a lot of head-to-head comparisons. Where do they value things the most? That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, why, Wake Forest is firmly in. Net strength of schedule 99, right? Creighton is 66 in net, but firmly in. It just, it just depends. And then maybe, maybe they look at the WCC and they're like, hey, it's a three-bid league. That was tough. They beat San Francisco. They beat St. Mary's, right? Um, Maybe those have value. We will see. We will hope. We will hope and pray. It's both. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. I had the great opportunity to speak with not one but two fabulous BYU women's basketball players yesterday, both who played an integral role in the Cougars beating the Portland Pilots and getting to title Tuesday. Today, we'll start with Tegan Graham. Tegan, you just wrapped up an incredibly emotional and very intense semifinal win against a team that had beaten you in the only head-to-head matchup this year. What does that semifinal win mean to this team? It's huge, yeah. We wanted Portland. Obviously, we lost to them in the regular season, and they never came to us. So we really wanted that game back, um, and we, you know, we prepared for them all week. Um, and so we kind of had that mindset going into it, where you know we wanted to be the aggressors, we wanted to have a physical game, and, and we got one. Things didn't go as planned for you on offense, and Portland sped you up. But overall, you did a better job taking care of the ball. What were you able to do to kind of 
counteract that press that can be super frustrating. Yeah, I think, honestly, this game was won by defense. You know, they, they did a really good job speeding us up, you know, quick shots, that sort of stuff, and, and you didn't see the offensive performance that you normally do from our team. But I think that's where our defense really shines, um, and we, we did an incredibly good job on, you know, a good, a great big, well, two great bigs, Fowler and, and Cochran, are, 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 you know, dominating right now. So I think, you know, we just had to lock in and, and get stops, and we did. I want to take you to a moment in the fourth quarter where Alex Fowler for Portland hits a huge three, they go up four, and then you come right back down the floor and essentially say, give me the ball, it's going up, and then you knock down a three to bring it back to a one-point game. Walk us through that sequence. Yeah, I think, you know, that's just kind of like, it's kind of game mode. You don't even really think about it. Um, you know, she just hit a really big three, um, and I came down, got an open look, got a clean look, and, you know, shoot a shoot. I'm a shooter. My team has confidence in me, and I didn't shoot great tonight, but, you know, I, I hit that big one, and, and it felt good. How much of that is you just being a competitor? Okay, you hit one, I'm going to make this. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I love games like that. That's why you play basketball. You, you play basketball to, to, to play, you know, really, really competitive games like that where it's, it's back and forth. And um, I think we need those kind of games going forward, especially, you know, for what we want to do in, in postseason. So I think that was an exciting, you know, really, really important, important game for us. Okay, and let's talk about Gonzaga. They're a very balanced team, but so is BYU. Why did you enjoy success against Gonzaga? this season and we're able to sweep them both times? I think we're really competitive um, and and what I mean by that is we like to take teams out of what they do and I think Gonzaga we um, kind of figure out what they want to do on the pick and roll and really try to attack that and, and that's where that competitiveness that defensive edge comes into play for our team um, so yeah for Gonzaga I think it's just like taking taking play uh, playmaking abilities away from the guards and um, yeah and just getting stops. So much about March is just surviving and getting to the next game. Competing and advancing to the next game. What does a win like you had against Portland in dramatics with just high intensity, what does that do for your team going into the championship? I mean, it's huge to, to play those kind of close games in March. That's what you want, right? That's what you live for. That's why people play college basketball, right? Um, and to have the insane crowd that we had today was just incredible. I mean, I think the crowd, I think they really pushed us over the edge. They gave us so much energy right from the jump, but especially in the fourth quarter. So it's just exciting. Who doesn't want to play basketball in March, right? I was going to ask you about that. How much do you hear the crowd? How much did you feel that in the game in the semifinals? Yeah, definitely big plays. Like my three, I heard that. Um, Maria's three at the end, that was a dagger. I heard that. Um, yeah, just big stops too, like securing the rebound. Like you can feel the energy shift, right, that momentum. And so I think, you know, we have incredible fans this year. It's growing. Um, but it's been awesome to have so many people show up and, and support us. What's your conditioning level like right now at this point of the season after a really tough game like that? Yeah, it's it's all about recovery. I mean, I'm old. I'm, this is my sixth year of college basketball, so it's about a lot of water um, and a lot of recovery. But I think we feel good. We've you know we've had this mindset going this whole season, right, that we're going to have a, a long season. So I think everyone's prepared. I know your whole family's watching very closely. Uh, a lot of them back at home a long way away. What's your message to them right now? That I love you guys. Um, thank you for supporting. And um, go Cougs. <laughs> you want some karma for the, uh, the game? Some karma? Some BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. What, what does that mean? It means you talk to me, and because wow. you're kind, you get some karma, yeah, get some and you're going to be awesome. Well, I'm going to succeed now. Okay. Tegan, thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> She's already succeeding, let's face it. So now she has BYU Sports Nation karma, which can only mean good things. But why stop at one player giving out the karma? Let's go ahead and give it to another international star on International Women's Day, Maria Albiero. Maria, you played a huge role in BYU's semifinal win over a really gritty Portland team. 
is so good at that frustrating full-court pressure. What are your emotions like just a few minutes removed from that game moving on into the championship? Um, I mean, a lot of emotions for sure. We worked the whole year really for this, for this moment tomorrow. Just happy that we handled the pressure how we were supposed to. Obviously, there were moments that didn't look great. But as soon as it's done, we celebrate for a little. My mind is already on tomorrow. That's kind of how it works for me, at least. Well, I'm going to force you to think about that three-point shot you hit in the fourth quarter. BYU's up three. You're left open in the corner. In that moment, what are you feeling and what are you thinking? Um, not a lot of thinking, more doing, just trying at least. Because, I mean, I had no idea what the score was, which I probably should know. And I knew it was close, but I didn't realize that that was, like, a big three. I had no idea. I, was, I went outside, and people were like, that was a huge three. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> Honestly, just ready to shoot. My coach just told me to be ready. My, all my teammates, <laughs> you can't pass that shot. So, I don't know. Just happy I made it, honestly. Well, I watched you get a couple of big hoops around the hoop, too, a reverse layup against the height of Lucy Cochran at 6'5". What's it like playing against a shot blocker that you kind of see every day in practice with Sarah Hampson? Yeah, oh, that definitely helps. Like, I'm, I'm used to having Sarah there. You just learn a couple ways here and there, go a little quicker, shoot a little sooner. It definitely helps. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't really remember what it looked like, but I'm pretty sure I chucked it high up there, and it went in. So. Yeah. What was the locker room scene like after that hard-fought win? Good. Not crazy, like everybody's happy, everybody's happy for each other because we played a hard game. It wasn't pretty, but we won. But just just happy and more like we expected. There's work to do tomorrow. So good vibes for sure, yeah. What did it mean to you personally to know that you'd lost to Portland and you found a way to, I guess, right the ship by beating them here in the postseason? It means a lot. I think all of us, we're all competitive at the end of the day. I wanted to play them just because I wanted to prove the league that we can beat them. Like, we, we didn't play good against them. And it doesn't really define who we are because we've had a great year. So another chance to be a team, and we did. They're a great team. They really are. So I'm happy we played them. You're 26-2 and two now. The 26 wins are a program best for the history of the program. Number 15 team in the country. That's also the highest ranking that BYU women's basketball has ever enjoyed. And you're pacing for a five seed. How do you handle all of those little fun facts and stats when it comes to rankings and potential seedings? Uh... I think really with BYU, I don't understand how everything works. Sometimes I don't even want to understand, but we might get robbed. If we do, then we do. At the end of the day, I was talking to Tom yesterday, uh, our sports psychologist, and he said at the end of the day, at some point you're going to have to be a number one seed. So really, I just try not to think much about this. I'm happy. I think it's incredible. I'm really happy to be a part of it. I think it's such a long process and happy that we accomplished that, but just thinking about tomorrow. Okay, two wins against Gonzaga this season. Uh, the dramatic comeback in Spokane and then an utterly dominant performance at home on senior night. What is it going to take to beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs for a third time? The third time, that's the thing. I think it's really hard to beat a team three times in a row. I think we have what it takes. We've done it before. So we, we know how they play. We know how to stop them. But they, they run it. They're very disciplined. So I think it's just, again, it's just going to come down to discipline defense, knowing personnel. And we, we, got, we got them. We know how they play. And if we play discipline and together, we should be able to stop them always. All right, I talked to Tegan a moment ago. Gave her a chance to shout out her family back in New Zealand. What's your message to your family back in Brazil? Oh, they don't speak English, but... Uh, so you can speak Portuguese. It's all good. Okay, well, I'll say it in English and then in Portuguese. <laughs> I just want to thank my family for loving me, for the support. A, a lot of sacrifice for me to be here. It wouldn't happen without them. So, mãe, pai, minha família, obrigada pelo sacrifício e por tudo que vocês fizeram por mim. Está valendo a pena. Muito obrigada. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU and Gonzaga in the women's hoops WCC title game. This afternoon, ESPNU and BYU Radio at 4 Eastern time. So, Spence, will the outcome of today's game affect BYU seeding in the NCAA tournament? I wish I had a definitive answer for this. I am hoping that it solidifies BYU as a top four seed. Again, it's not about BYU hosting. We've already gone through all of the complications that go into that. BYU is not going to be able to do it for a number of reasons. They can't give up their venue for a week. They can't surrender that to the NCAA. Also, they can't hold practices on Sunday. So whatever, BYU's not going to be able to host. That stinks, but at least give them the seed they deserve, which right now, even before the Gonzaga game, today should be a four seed. It's not going to climb higher than that. However, if BYU loses today, then I can see the Cougars certainly as a number five seed and gulp maybe falling to a six seed, but I feel bad for the team that BYU would face in the second round, that three seed that draws the Cougars, and are like, how did, we're the three seed. How did we get BYU, who's ranked number 15 right now, in the second round? But let's start with what's in front of BYU, what they can control, Jerem, and that is beating Gonzaga for a third time this season. It would give them a quote-unquote Quadrant one victory to add to their already impressive resume. A three wins against another tournament team because Gonzaga's pacing to be an 11 seed right now. That's worth something. So I think that BYU at best with a win today, they punctuate why they deserve a four seed. But if they lose, yeah, no shot. They're going to fall to a five or a six. I I wish they could climb some more. And I wish that the hosting thing weren't a situation and that BYU could have home court advantage. It's not going to be that way. The ladies just deserve and have earned at least a top four seed. And the AP voters have said as much. They got BYU at number 15, highest ranking in program history. So why would BYU not be worthy of remaining in the top 15, according to most of the media, if they beat Gonzaga today? Like, there are not enough teams behind BYU that have enough left on the schedule to jump BYU so much that they would fall out of like a top 17 or 18 scenario. So yeah, I, I wish they could do more with the win, but they certainly can state their case that they need to stay where they are with the win over Gonzaga. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think BYU goes any higher than four. I don't think BYU drops any lower than six, although six would be just stupid. <laughs> if, if BYU is 26-3, and three, with a loss, 27-2 and two with a win. <laughs> why isn't that team a five? Why isn't that team a four? Also, why can't BYU give up the Marriott Center for a week? And also, why do we care if other teams are using it on Sunday? I, I, don't, I don't understand why this is an issue. Why, I, I don't understand why the university can't make that available. Um, the, the issue isn't other teams. The issue is BYU's not going to use it on Sunday. So is there a Devo that was scheduled or something? Like, can we move stuff around? Isn't this the NCAA tournament? Isn't this an opportunity to help this team get to the Sweet 16? I don't understand why perhaps BYU wasn't ready for this, maybe. A little more knowing this team could have done this. Uh, I know there are policies in place. I don't have to agree with all of them, um, but it's disappointing. And why couldn't it have been neutral site, nearby? Uh, did we just realize this late? Like what? I, I, I'm a little frustrated that BYU can't host if they're in that position. Um, and, and then hopefully BYU can be a four, even if they're not hosting, because then you would play a 13, right, in the first round. 
And then in the second round, you would play probably a five who beats a 12 on their home court. But, uh, you know, now, now you're at least a higher seed and perhaps a better team, right? So BYU's got to make the Sweet 16. The easiest way to do that is to host at home. Unfortunately, that, does, that isn't going to happen should BYU be a top four seed. Yeah, and certainly how do you reward a five? Like which five seed do you reward with the home court advantage by putting BYU in that bracket? Depends which four BYU is, right? Like if BYU is the fourth four, perhaps the first five is the one that gets it. Yeah, I would think it's something like that. That Sure, that, that would make sense. But or And does the committee like say, well, let's just keep it so we don't have to explain the seedings and BYU is not hosting, so let's just make that first five seed a four seed and we'll drop BYU to the five seed line and there are no explanations necessary. It just, the semantics here are really crazy. And you did bring up an apt point. I mean, the devotional thing, if BYU had to surrender the building from Tuesday to Tuesday, now we're talking about pushing away two scheduled devotionals on top of the Sunday but situation. Who cares? It just, like, sorry, this is the women's basketball NCAA tournament. Like, isn't this a thing we're hoping and trying to give the team? Um, perhaps uh, the speaker, I don't know who it is, was under contract for the Merit Center only. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels silly yeah, that we can't hook this team up. I wish they could have the home court advantage in the worst way because they, again, they have earned it. It's not, oh, give them what they deserve. No, they've earned it. They've earned the right to be in those top four. They've earned the right to be at home. It's not going to be the case. I hope that they, again, punctuate that scenario that, hey, we are a top 15 team today. We just beat Gonzaga for a third time, won the conference postseason tournament and the regular season championship, avenged the loss to Portland. Like, they've done everything they could possibly do. All right, Jerem, on to topic two. BYU men's basketball, meanwhile, well, their situation, as we have discussed ad nauseum, is very bubbly. Yes, dare I say bubblicious. And because we've been doing it every day, we need to get to our BYU men's basketball resume update as they approach a very interesting weekend. The net ranking stays the same. At number 55 in the Ken Palm ratings, BYU maintaining their position at number 50. Jerry Palm... CBS lead bracketologist. We're all Jerry Brackets guys today. Still has BYU in as a 12 seed, one of the first four in, playing in Dayton. We're going to ask him why he believes the resume is worth that in just a few minutes. Lenardi still has BYU as the second team out in ESPN side of things. Team rankings has been bumped up to a huge 0.9% chance of giving BYU make, uh, a chance to make the tournament. Bracket matrix an 11.69 average seed, but only in 13 of the 129 brackets, including Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. Jerry, we love you. Please help all of the other people on the committee understand why you feel so strongly that BYU has done enough to still be in. Jerem, what do you think of all of this as we approach a ton of scoreboard watching for the remainder of the week? I think it stinks. I don't like it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. All right, R.J. Young came out with his spring top 25. BYU coming in 16th. Too high, too low, or just right? In the spring top 25? Spring top 25, which I love is that it's a thing. It's a thing. I love it because BYU's in it. That's why I love it. Yeah, I'm, I, whatever. I'm okay with that. Sure, it's great. I'm more concerned with the fact that BYU has three opponents on their schedule next season that are ranked currently in the spring top 25 of 5, 6, and 7. Yes. <laughs> Look, I, I honestly, I, I had no preconceived notions that maybe BYU was going to be a top 25 team coming into this year. So I love seeing BYU in at 16. Okay, Jason, let's further the conversation with the teams I just mentioned. Three of the top seven teams, are you kidding me, on the schedule for BYU? Baylor, Arkansas, Notre Dame in that order from 5, 6, and 7. Uh, does that intimidate you for BYU's schedule any more than you already were? No, because we've already seen what BYU did last year. There's proof this team can handle tough schedules. So, no, it does not intimidate me. No, it's this is one man's opinion. This is one man's opinion. R.J. Young, and R.J. is great, but come on. Like, we don't really know the Baylor, Arkansas, Notre Dame, maybe five, six, and seven. Okay, what we do know is that BYU is going to play a game in how many days? Countdown to the Bulls. 177, you betcha, 177 days away on the countdown to the Bulls. All right, uh, Cooler Stadium to play in for BYU. Is it Globe Life, where the BYU baseball team will play today, or Allegiant, where BYU football's already played and will play Notre Dame this year? They're both amazing stadiums. But Allegiant Stadium, Darth Vader's hangout, (laughs) Las Vegas, home away from home for the Cougars. It's Allegiant Stadium. Have you been in that thing? I've, I've not been inside. I've been outside of it. Hey, it, it, it is a masterpiece for sure. It, it's, it's Las Vegas. How are you going to compete with Las Vegas and the showmanship that just goes into the stadium? Yeah, no, I, I, the answer is probably Allegiant. I agree with you on that. But I, I'm very excited for BYU baseball to have the opportunity to play in Globe Life yeah, where the Rangers play. It's a... If you've never seen beautiful pictures of it, but it's like watching a game from inside, and I mean like on TV, seeing what it looks like inside, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's just not the Vegas show. Correct. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Ah, uh, yes. Bubble, bubble, we should have toil, bubble. and trouble. Why, why do we not have bubbles in here? Have we ever brought bubbles in for bubble watch? Do we need a bubble machine? I don't even need a bubble machine. <laughs> we should have had, we should have, we should have sent somebody to like the dollar store to pick up a thing of bubbles. It, there's too much work involved in that. It can get kind of messy. It, so, but there are machines that just like produce the bubbles with the bubble we solution. Should, every time we talk about bubble watch, we should have bubbles floating around in the studio. Oh boy. We've come to this. And I'm kind of for it, Jason. So Kind of for it. <laughs> With that in mind, just envision the bubbles all around us. Let's get to the BYU men's basketball resume update. The Cougars are up one spot in the net to 54. Hope, Jason? Always. Number 50 in the Ken Palm ratings. You mentioned it. Jerry Palm has BYU as a 12 seed, not even in the first four anymore. Man, what Jerry's in the a world? smart guy. Man, he's smart. Joe Lenardi, third team out. That's down from the second team out, even after two bubble teams lost yesterday. T. 
Team rankings has bumped BYU's chances up to 1.3%. So a 0.2% increase. <laughs> trending in the right direction. And BYU is still in 13 of 132 brackets. Jason, my question to you is, again, after reviewing all of these numbers, and we're going to go down the rabbit hole today with all of the other bubble action happening around BYU. Are you living and dying on bubble watch? Or... <laughs> Have you just kind of given up hope and oh, say it's an exercise of futility? I, am, I have not given up hope. And the fact that BYU has increased its chances by 0.2%, I think, is confirmation that not giving up hope was the right choice. Okay, Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> Look, we know what the percentages say in terms of BYU's probability. I mean, we're, we, just, we just went over it. The percentages don't look great. But, of course, I'm paying attention to everything that's out there. Because there is still that chance. And I always go in a situation like this to uh, to one of my favorites, one Andy Dufresne. Oh. And uh, I think uh, think you all probably know where I'm going with this. But the great Andy Dufresne, who was wrongfully convicted of murder (laughs) and sent to Shawshank Prison, uh, said, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Hope. It's all about hope, my friend. And that's where, honestly, that's what we're doing right now. We talked about all of these games that will have a bearing on whether or not BYU gets the look into the NCAA tournament. There are teams that lost yesterday that should affect, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised with the results from yesterday that Lenardi has BYU dropping down a couple of spots in his bracketology with what we saw yesterday. He's big on Xavier still. Like Xavier is 18 and 13. 18 and 13. They have lost eight of the last ten games, including a quad three loss in their conference tournament yesterday to Butler, 89-82. They're still one of the last four in. Now, Jerry Palm says, no, 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 that was an elimination game for Xavier. They're out. He said the same thing about Wake Forest against Boston College. The Demon Deacons blew it. They have a quad three loss. Jerry Palm says they're out. But both Wake Forest and Xavier are still in the bracket, according to Joe Lenardi. So what, what's happening there? Like, what, why the difference, not just with BYU, but with Wake Forest and Xavier? That's why BYU has been elevated in Jerry Palm's right. bracket is because he's like, no, 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 they don't have enough of a resume. Wake Forest's resume is not good, comparatively speaking. I mean, they are 1-4 in, in Quadrant 1 games. 1-4, all right? 4-3 and three in Quad 2. So, do the math. That is 5-7 and seven in Quad 1 and quad two games. And they have two quad three losses. So why? Why Wake Forest over a team like BYU? Head-to-head in the metrics that we've been told matter so much. Why a team like Wake Forest still over BYU? Well, and see, and this is why I don't understand people that are saying BYU does not have a chance at all of getting it. That makes no sense. The fact that they're, even in Lenardi's bracket, where they are, they're clearly on the bubble. He's not saying they have no chance of getting in. He's saying that right now it's a, t- it's, it's a toss-up. Things are going to have to change. And we've seen, how many times have we seen this? And it was even brought up after, you know, BYU lost to San Francisco that, look, it stings now because you want to get that win and you want to solidify yourself and you want to keep playing. But it says sometimes it's not a bad thing to have to kind of sit out a little bit and watch other people play because things can still trend in your direction. So the fact that they're still in the mix where Jerry Palm has them obviously in as a 12 seed even where Lenardi has them in, in, his, in his first four out, 
they're still in there. So I don't understand the they have no chance. No, and take away the team. Listen, the team rankings thing, the 1.3% chance, I think that's garbage. And see, it seems, I think that it's absolutely yes, very, very low. Garbage that that is so low. But again, I, I don't know where teamrankings.com one even originated from and, and why so much emphasis has been placed on them, but people do it. Where who are they? Who are the people? What what metric are they using compared to these experts that supposedly know what the committee cares about, Jason, and say BYU is not even one of the last four, and they're just in as a twelve seed according to Jerry Palm. And even with BYU struggles, three out, you're so close to being yes, in the tournament. Yes. The truth of the matter is, we need to look at all of the bracketologists. Which means we need to look at the athletic and we need to look at Fox Sports and everything that's happening there, along with Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi. We tend to just latch on to ESPN. I get it. They're the worldwide leader, and he's the worldwide leader's bracketologist. And I know his numbers. If you go back to like 2006 when he started doing this thing, he averages like 66 out of 68 teams right every year, which is fantastic. But guess what? You and I are going to know all the automatic bids. So automatically, you and I can get, I don't know, like 30-plus, right? <laughs> I was right the, on all the work 31 is, of the, the work is done for us, champions. yes, exactly. Okay? It's the, where you make your money is the bubble. Yes. Like, do you really know what the bubble teams are about? Because I could tell you right now, 62 of the teams that are going to be in, come on. Well, it, you brought up a really good point, and it, it is somewhat of a head-scratcher where you have these two guys who are very successful at doing what they do and look, we're not here to pit Jerry versus Joe. But that's what we're doing. But but, but it, is, it is strange that they differ on some of those issues where, like, this is where it's going to come down to. They're not differing on who's going to win tournaments. They, that stuff is, like we said, we know where that stuff is going to play out. It's these bubble teams, and it is interesting to see that there clearly is some sort of different metric that one is using for the other because that's, that's quite a difference where one would have BYU in as a 12 seed, the other one would be the third team out. That, that's, that's a significant difference. Seven spots. Think about that. That's like looking at the college football rankings. That's like when you see a team number 21 in one poll and number 14 in right. the other. And it's like, yeah, how is there that how, big of a difference? There, yes. Why is there such a difference in those two rankings? I'm saying do yourself a favor. And whether or not you want to buy into the hope or you think that's just worthless, fine, whatever. Do your thing. But the reality is, as much as you don't want to – believe that there is hope for BYU, we are seeing it right here. Like the hope is being gifted to you on a plate. You can choose to indulge or not. You can eat it or you don't have to eat, whatever. But the truth is somewhere in the middle of this, Jason, is probably where BYU lies, which is why I feel like right now, Palm having them five in and they're three out according to Lenardi, they're probably like the last team in right, right now or the they're first right, team out. They are right there. On the line. Which makes every day's games even more important. So let's actually look yes. at the games that are being played today, including one, one play, being let's played go. right now. This has ramifications. It's Indiana, which right now is a first four out playing yes, yes. Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get all choked up bum, just talking bum, about bum, it. Bum, bum, Michigan is in the last four buys. Right now, Michigan has an 11-point lead over the Hoosiers, 34-23, with just under four minutes to go in the first half. Let's go, Wolverines. Michigan needs to roll Indiana and just take care – like, get the Hoosiers out of there. Well, but look at the net ranking, Spencer. BYU's 54 and Indiana's 43. It's not – the net ranking 
is not the end-all, be-all, according to the committee. They were just asked about it, and they said, we're going to look very closely at non-conference strength of schedule. Did teams challenge themselves in the non-con? BYU did that, which is why Mark Pulp went there when he was making his plea for BYU. He knows. By the way, I hope that the person that's saying that sounds exactly like that, too, by the way. <laughs> but Spencer! I want to he- hear somebody that actually talks but like that. I do. <laughs> There's no chance. BYU doesn't deserve it. They don't deserve to be there. Look at these other teams. Like, sure, BYU hasn't played well, but a bunch of these other teams haven't played well either. So who is deserving? The bubble is weak. You like it, you don't. It's weak. That's what the reality is. Look, and I I still go back to the fact that just because these games took place three or four months ago doesn't mean BYU's good wins are off their schedule and should be ignored. The wins are there. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. We're, we're focusing on the loss. Look, and it was a bad loss. Can't take, you can't say anything, anything else about it. But we're putting, and maybe it's recency bias as well, but we're, we're putting so much more stock on the bad losses than what BYU did overall, the collective, and all of the really impressive wins what, this year. What bad losses? There's one to Pacific. One. It's not even multiple. Well, well, one loss. Yes, like the Santa Clara loss. I, it's not bad, but it's bad because it shouldn't have happened. It hurts. In that, in that sure. term, okay. yes. Rest of your rootables, root for North Carolina, root for Notre Dame, root for UNLV to beat Wyoming. Rebels. Yep, there you go. Those are your rootables. And root for Michigan to hold on against Indiana. Bubblicious. Let's do this. Selection Sunday approaches. BYU men's basketball, as we've mentioned a couple of times, still in and not even one of the last four in, according to Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. Yeah. You want to call him the blue goggle oh, bracketologist? Blue goggle alert. Okay. Blue goggle alert. But every blue other alert. national analyst seems to have the Cougars on the outside looking in. Thanks, Stained. You're welcome. Let's take a look at our BYU basketball resume update before we get into all of the bubble talk. BYU maintains at number 54 in the net rankings. The Cougars at 51 in the Ken Palm metric. That's down one spot from yesterday. Yeah, Jerry Palm doing his thing. Joe Lenardi dropped BYU two spots from the third team out to the fifth team out after some teams on the bubble won important games yesterday. And team rankings, they've Bumped BYU up to 1.4%. Not really sure how to read it. That bracket matrix has oh, yeah, BYU in 13 of 133 brackets. So Too many numbers. Mm. <laughs> now, Jerem, you asked Jerry Palm. He joined the program Jerry? earlier this week. What BYU has going for them and what would get them into the bracket and on the resume. What, what, what do they have going for him in their resume? He said this. And the fact that they, they had a good record compared to some of these other teams against teams in the top two quadrants and the top three quadrants. And that's, you know, that's really what's going to be what pushes them into the bracket because they're going to be competing with teams that don't have two wins over teams in the tournament. And, you know, uh, BYU's got three. Well, there you go. Yeah. Quality wins. I don't know. Does the committee truly value the entire body of work? Because we have been told, the committee has said, now there's no more metric for playing well going into the tournament. It's just strictly body of work. Because consider Xavier, okay? They lost 
eight of the final 10 games. They lost eight of 10, and then they lost in the conference tournament. Nine of 11. And Joe Lenardi still has them in because body of work. Because Big East. And it's Big East, sure. But, hey, I mean, so is momentum not a thing anymore? Are they truly going to value just, hey, body of work? All of this is very interesting. Jerem, Jerry Palm gave us his case. What do you think? If BYU gets in, why would BYU get into the bracket? (laughs) I don't believe BYU's getting in. I really would love for BYU to get in. That'd be great. If BYU's in, it's because they had four quad one wins and their net non-conference strength of schedule was top 100. It's 99 at the moment. That would be why. That would be why. Uh, you know, be, the, the aforementioned uh, wins against team in the tournament. That's St. Mary's, net 19. That's San Francisco, net 25. On the road, Two no top less. 25 teams, fantastic, in net. San Diego State, still hanging on as a quad one uh, at 28, which is great. Yeah, uh, that's why BYU would get in, I think. Those quad ones and the net non-conference strength of schedule. That's, that was Mark Pope's argument. Sure. And I was just going to bring that up. I asked Mark Pope after BYU lost in the conference tournament, okay, what's your case? Yep. And he went immediately to, look, if the committee truly values challenging yourself in the non-conference, then they're going to like our resume because we challenged ourselves and BYU won some games in the non-con. I know that things got really weird late in the season in the West Coast Conference. And some people say, oh, BYU still won, you know, a handful of games late. It doesn't help that it was LMU, LMU twice and, Pe- and Pepperdine LMU twice. LMU thrice. Right? It was, it was three of the last five. Yeah. So it didn't help BYU much. I mean, the Cougars, we pointed at that game against San Francisco as, hey, you beat San Francisco in Las Vegas, then you can feel confident about your chances of getting into the bracket. Right now, it is absolutely hanging on by a thread for dear life. And some of you think that that thread has already been cut. Jeremy, you're I one of those people. I think it's already been yeah, cut. Yeah, it's just done. Yeah, I think it's done. See, I, I said this yesterday. I feel like when we look at The Athletic and Fox Sports and Jerry Palm of CBS Sports and Joe Lenardi of ESPN, it's pretty telling that BYU is still on the bubble, all things considered, with, with Lenardi, that they're only five out. Some people think BYU shouldn't even be that close. Well, my concern isn't how close BYU is to the line. My concern is you're, you're not going to be able to go up. You're only, at this last night, reinforced the idea of like, okay, BYU probably had to be like six in for us to even feel that comfortable. You know what I mean? Because Oklahoma just leapfrogs. Well, what if Oklahoma loses today? They did the work. They got to win over Baylor late. Like that will push them ahead of BYU probably. Yeah. What if Oklahoma loses today, though? Like, BYU's right behind Oklahoma. To, like, an awesome team? Like, they may not be penalized. They just got a great win. BYU, when's the last great BYU win? It's been a long time. Probably San Francisco in, on the road? In January? Yeah. 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 He, there are teams who will just But does that, does that matter, though? Does it matter? It because clearly the mattered the last night to Lenardi. The committee, yeah. Well, that's Lenardi. He's not the committee. Does, does the committee Lenardi. do what they say? Right. But it, Lenardi is the most credible. He's nailing 67 or 68 out of 68. 66 on pretty average. Pretty consistently. You make so your money why, with the bubble. Why, why, would we, why would we not believe in Lenardi there? Because every year there are two teams that get into the field that were like, huh? That are like, I don't think that they belong. Like, that kind of is where I feel like BYU is right now. BYU is one of those like, teams. BYU is one of those teams that people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. They should yeah. not have gotten into the field. Yeah, we're down to the last gasp, which is, well, hopefully they maybe are, could be the one team. Yeah. You know, because, and again, it's I said great. to Jason Shepard on the show yesterday, well, we put a lot of stock into the, well, yeah, 66 of those teams right. Great. 
you know what? We can get, you and I could get 62 right, right now by putting our heads together. It's about what you do with if, the final six spots. Yes. If we never saw Lenardi, I'm not sure we'd get 62. Like, if we never saw anyone else, if we only did our own, it'd probably be different. They would know way more than we do. Okay, topic two. I asked Jerry Palm on Tuesday what would keep BYU out of the bracket on Sunday. Here's what he said. Pacific. No question. They're in if they beat Pacific. It's just hard to play a quad four loss off your schedule. And Pacific is ranked almost 300 in the net. So that's not just quad four. That's pretty far down the list. That's, it, it's really hard to, to play that one off the schedule. Yeah, 297. So is that it? If, if Was that the loss? Like if BYU doesn't get in, it was the Pacific game? It feels that way. It, it's, it really feels that way because Santa Clara is now a quad one loss. No, no national annals or nobody on the committee is going to look and say, ha, ah, BYU, they lost to Santa Clara. That's a real, real bad look. It's not. Well, that, no one's arguing that isn't a bad loss, but I would argue if you suddenly have five quad one wins, that changes the conversation a little bit. Like, oh, one it helps work, for sure, but I'm yes. saying like Pacific's so, so, detriment is more impactful than BYU beating Santa Clara. Yes, and you could have helped offset some of that. If BYU had beaten Santa Clara, they, we don't think they're going to lose to Pacific. Which just stinks because both those games came down to the wire and losers talk about margin, which is happening right now. But BYU is one week away from being in the tourney despite despite the losses early in the season to uh, Baxter and Harvard. So, yeah, it's Pacific. You can get in and have a quad four loss. That's, it's not like you have a quad four loss, you're totally out. Ask like Rutgers. There are a couple teams in, right? But Rutgers has like six quad one wins or whatever, right? And they played 11 of those. So if BYU had beaten Santa Clara and still lost to Pacific somehow, BYU still might be in, you know? Talk to me about a team like Wake Forest. I cannot wrap my head around why Joe Lenardi likes Wake Forest. And we can attack that later. Wake Forest Sports Nation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> one quad one win. The Demon Deacons! We like Deacons here. And quote-unquote, two bad losses. So, ACC? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's football talk right now, and joining us in Studio B is an outstanding linebacker for the Cougars, Keenan Peely, who is working hard to get healthy, get right, and lead that linebacking core. Keenan, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for having me in. Always happy to be here. <laughs> Let's start with the obvious question. How are you feeling health-wise? How's the knee doing? I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, rehab's obviously a long road, but um, I'm feeling ahead of schedule. Um, I'll be cleared in June. But it feels good because I'm, I'm running now, I'm lifting, getting stronger, starting to feel more normal. So it's fun. Are you at the point, though, where you say you're starting to feel normal, where you, you maybe want to push yourself a little more than what you should because you are feeling good? It seems yeah. like a lot of players go through that. There's definitely a balance, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to learn my body when I should push it, when I should kind of take a couple of steps back and do some recovery. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So just to clarify on the timetable, when you say I should be clear in June, does that mean then you can begin full conditioning and get yourself truly back into game shape? And if so, how much from the time you're officially cleared until you actually feel like I'm game ready? Good question. Um, I'll be doing – I should be able to do what the team does in, in June. But obviously we want to take it slow, be smart about my health, and 
make sure that I'm ready by first game. I think that's my my main goal. So, spring ball is obviously going on right now, uh, and you mentioned you know not you're not able to to do everything that you want to participate like you would want to. So you get an opportunity to kind of watch the team as they go through spring ball. What have been some of your early impressions of, of how this team has has begun spring? Shoot. It's been super cool watching um, a lot of the new guys come in and make an impact. It's also been nice seeing um, the growth of some of our younger players that played last year and to see the work they've, the work they've been putting in in the offseason showing in spring ball. It's been pretty cool. Keenan Peely is with us on BYU Sports Nation. By nature, you take a coaching role because you are a clear veteran and leader on this team. But when you look at the linebacking core, which of your linebacker teammates have impressed you in their offseason conditioning and through spring ball thus far? Oh, shoot. I would just say I'd almost want to say the whole room because I've never seen uh, – we call them the combos in the weight room. But this is the strongest I've seen the linebackers specifically since I've been around at BYU. Um, in terms of the numbers that went up in the wow, world. okay, yeah. How does As that translate? Yeah, how does that translate to the field? Because there's always this this debate of speed versus strength, and like, don't do too much of this, and and, and you know the numbers are big, but uh, maybe that's not as good as the speed training. So how do you balance yeah. all that? I think you just gotta, uh, like I said with my rehab earlier, you gotta have that balance. So the strength, the speed, and then also doing certain types of exercises to increase your power output like on the field so i think it all goes hand in hand balancing them all and that's the strongest you can be we're obviously not asking for trade secrets here but uh <laughs> defensively i mean defense gonna look any different this year you throw in some wrinkles is it gonna be you know the defense is what it is and so you don't want to mess with something that's worked How, what's what's the defense what do you expect it to look like this upcoming season yeah i think um you know what the coaches are doing here in spring ball you know they're actively doing their best to make sure our defense is the best it can be, and I think maybe there could be changes, maybe there won't, but they're working. See, he doesn't want to give up the secrets. That's oh. what. It, look, <laughs> look, we know how many people watch this show. That includes opponents of BYU football. <laughs> it's very smart. It's very smart not to give it up. Keenan Peely is on BYU Sports Nation. How do you see your role developing when you get back to the games and back on the field? Uh, I'm just hoping me for myself, I can be a little more mentally strong. Um, one cool thing last year was just that since I was able to take more of a coaching position, right, I was able to see the game like through a different lens, being up in the box or being on the sideline and being able to see the team as a whole and how the shape of the defense works. Shoot, I haven't learned more, I don't think, ever than like being injured and being able to do that. Really? Than actually being in the game. So it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. You mentioned the, the mental side of it, and, and we always ask players that, that have injuries, they, they talk about the mental side even more than the physical side because they know the physical side is going to work itself out. Bodies yeah. are going to heal. But the mental side of, of not being able to participate last year, how did you handle that? Um, honestly, I know, I know injuries a lot of times really hard for people, and it was hard, but it, it actually hasn't been too bad for me. I've had so much support um, from BYU fan base and my family especially my wife taking that big role and helping me while I couldn't walk for a couple weeks. So I've been, I've been pretty good. Take us back to that moment. Did you know immediately? Yeah. You knew? Yeah, I knew. I usually don't like to stay down on the ground. That's what my dad, oh, you get up, you walk off. So I still tried to get up and walk off. But I remember going down, I was like, oh, man, something popped. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. 
Because some guy, sometimes guys don't really. They're like, uh, maybe it was just a sprain or something like. But you knew immediately something yeah, was seriously wrong. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird feeling. It was a weird feeling. It's like a gunshot in your knee. Yeah, weird. Wow, that is intense. Yeah, that would well, and like like you said, you you know immediately. You, you may not know specifically what it is, but immediately you know it's not anything good. Yeah, not good for sure. Yeah, definitely. I remember laying there, and the trainers came there, and I was like, "Yeah, it popped." I was like, "Will you let me up, though?" <laughs> <laughs> That's that mindset of your dad. Get up, get up. Yeah. I need to get up. Keenan Peely is on BYU Sports Nation once again. BYU linebacker uh, watching his teammates do uh, all of the hardest stuff in spring football, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to be doing that. <laughs> it's just a matter of time until you're back and doing that. When you look at the approaching schedule for BYU football, final year of independence, and another really, really tough slate of games ahead, mm-hmm. how do you handle that um, knowing that, man, it just, it just seems to get harder? And it will only yeah. seemingly get harder when you move into the Big 12. So how do you approach that? I think it's just super cool that we can even have this opportunity. We kind of had that little taste last year. And then if you look at the schedule this year, you know, we got some pretty tough games early and throughout. So um, really we just prepare, prepare, understand um, the scheme and all that the coaches have given us and play our role. We're counting down to the USF Bulls. Of course, you open up in Tampa at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. uh, against a team out of the American Conference. But is there another game circled on the schedule that uh, has caught your attention? If so, which is it? Oh, man. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be cool. I love playing in Vegas. That's why my hometown. So playing in a Allegiant Stadium would be cool. Sure. So I'd probably say that one. And uh, I've never really been up north, so I think Oregon will be a cool game as well. So since you're, you've gotten comfortable with the coaching hat on, we've obviously asked you about the defense. What have you seen from the BYU offense this year as the defense uh, tries to stop them? Here in spring ball? Yeah, here year? in spring ball. What's, what stood out to you about the BYU offense? Uh, the offense has been rolling. They've been doing really good. Um, you know, seeing guys who have worked like Dallin Holker and, you know, having Chris coming in the running back room and being a good compliment to guys like Pini and – um, Josh Chesney, Miles, all those guys. It's been super fun to, to see them work. And they've been rolling. They've been doing good. Is that more encouraging for you? Or is that frustrating? <laughs> she watched the offense do work. It's probably more frustrating right now. But when <laughs> fall comes, when fall comes, they were as happy as can be when the offense is moving. What motivates you right now going into this year? <clears throat> is it just getting back out on the field? Is that is that like the number one motivation? Or does it go way beyond that? It probably goes way beyond that. I think watching spring ball, I'm like, whoa, man, I miss the game so much. Like, I miss popping the pads and, you know, playing with the boys. But um, other than that, it's just, yeah, trying to get a healthy year, that that motivation for me. As you watch a guy like Tyler Algier get set for the NFL and pro day at BYU and what he hopes is hearing his name called on draft day and think about, Huh, he was a linebacker in my room. What kind of emotions do you feel when you watch Tyler and see his evolution now moving into the NFL? Yeah, no, it, it's super cool. That 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 guy is, is well-deserved to, to get in there. And I remember when he was a linebacker when I was first coming in for my mission. We'd usually go on together, and he was, he was the middle, I was the outside, and it was fun. <laughs> and then when, I, I always knew, though, that guy can run the rock. I said, if they give him the ball and put him off, he's going to go crazy. Do we have you to thank for that? We're no. Like, Coaches, no. make <laughs> him me. a running back. No, not me. He was a beast of a linebacker, too. 
this uh, this upcoming season is obviously, you know, everybody looks forward to the beginning of, of college football. Um, when you look at the opportunity that's there, again, with such a great schedule and an opportunity, you know, as one more season as an independent, wh- what do you think maybe you and your teammates discuss? Like, what's the importance of this upcoming year for, for this program, do you believe? We've talked about it before, um, some of the guys on the team. You know, we're kind of ending a BYU era here. Like it's the end of independence. So it kind of, you know, puts a little more weight on the shoulders, and we're like, man, if we can have a good year, hey, this is it. Let's finish it off strong before we go to the Big 12 and give the young guys a good start to their time here. Have you noticed over the last couple of years, because obviously – there's been a lot of wins over the last couple of years, and BYU has has gotten back into the national spotlight more and more every year. Mm-hmm. And even a season like last year, where you know you do what you do against the the Pac-12, and you know just you know people are paying attention. Have you noticed that that the feeling around the program is different over the last couple of years? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was before my mission. I I came in like 2016, and that was Kalani's first year. Now I went on my mission, but seeing like the growth growth of the team each and every year to this point is just super cool. Super cool. What's your time frame now as far as football goes? Because I know COVID has thrown a wrench in everything, obviously your injury. (laughs) Yeah. So where are you on eligibility and and what's the desired time frame as you push forward? Um, We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when that point comes. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I've been here a minute. I, I want this to be my last year, sure. most likely. Sure. But you never know. Technically, I could have three years of eligibility. <laughs> Which is if I could. That's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? That is that is uh, wild. If if I took my medical and who knows, but it's <laughs> crazy. You sure you don't want to help him go into the Big Twelve, Keenan? <laughs> you could play a couple of seasons in the Big Twelve, apparently. Yeah, it's crazy. Cool, oh, crazy. Fantastic. It really is. Uh, well, we appreciate you hanging out with us on BYU Sports Nation, Thank you. man. Um, question: Have you signed our flag? I don't think. I okay, have. we need to get Keenan to sign the flag. All Jason, right, here's grab the... that oversized sharpie. We're gonna we, we couldn't find the big sharpie, so we're gonna give you this one instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can sign it anywhere you want. Give us your signature, and uh, we're gonna give Keenan some BYU Sports Nation karma as well, so that he can heal up and get ready because he's a huge part of what the BYU defense is gonna do. Without question. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Kalani Satake in at number 25 on Bruce Feldman's top 25 college football head coaches list. Stuart Mandel just released his list, Jeremy, and has Kalani at number 21. So... Who's more correct? Is it Feldman or Mandel? Yes. I think Kalani's the top 25 coach. Yeah. You don't, you don't go B2B 10 plus and, uh, you know, finish in the top 25 and, and not be one of the best in the country. So, yeah, I, I do have a mild issue with uh, Bill Clark and Mandel's being 19 <laughs> of UAB. Too soon from the yeah. moment. But, uh, yeah, no, Bill Clark's a good coach. I just don't think he's the top 25. For the mere fact that 21 is one of my favorite numbers, I'm going to go with our guy, Stuart Mandel. Also, he's been on the show a bunch. He's one of our guys. Stu, much love, my brother. Bruce Feldman's been on the program as well. Not as much, but yes. Uh, where would you like to see Kyle Van Noy sign? 
It's always the Bengals, Jerem. It's always the Cincinnati Bengals. That's probably not going to happen because the Bengals don't have a huge need for a linebacker like Kyle Van Noy, but maybe it's here in Las Vegas. It'd be fun to have Kyle in the silver and black relatively close to Utah again. I'm sure his family would like that, make it more easy to come and watch him play. But yeah, maybe it's the silver and black of Las Vegas with that veteran leadership that he would bring. He is from Nevada, although uh, Reno. Uh... Perhaps the Rams, if they don't sign Von Miller, they could use another veteran that's getting cheaper uh, in Kyle Van Noy. Perhaps the Rams, although I don't want to see the Super Bowl champs in the same division as the Seahawks get a guy like Kyle Van Noy. (laughs) I already have to to root for Fred Warner, but against the Niners. I don't want to root for Kyle Van Noy and against the Rams, too. Come on. On to women's basketball, Jaron. Paisley Harding and Maria Albiero set a program record with their 144th games as BYU Cougars yesterday. Today marks obviously number 145. So over under 147 and a half games played total for Maria and Paisley when all is said and done this season. Are I they think going you know to the Sweet 16? Yeah. Uh, yes, it's going to be over. It's going to be 148. They're getting to the Sweet 16. Yeah, when they get to the Sweet 16, 148, why stop there, my friend? Why stop there? And but I, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's going to be over. That maybe this won't ever this won't ever be broken. I said it won't ever be broken. Shaylee Gonzalez might actually break it because she's going to play five years here. So, yeah, <laughs> Shaylee will probably break it. Is it an upgrade for BYU baseball to play Oklahoma State at Globe Life Field, home of the Texas Rangers? Well, it's not one of the top 15 most beautiful sports venues in the entire world <laughs> that we discussed yesterday, according to Joe Pompliano. But weather conditions-wise, it certainly is an upgrade. Uh, yeah, the backdrop, not as impressive. Everything else, we'll, we'll call it an upgrade. They can close the roof, so it doesn't matter what it's outside uh, like in Arlington <laughs> on that particular day. But, no, it's legit. It's, uh, what, two years old? I mean, three. this is its third year, I think. It's, it's really impressive. Uh, I didn't see a baseball game there. Like I said, I saw a concert, but it's it's freaking awesome. So, yeah, bummer not to host Oklahoma State. Kind of, hey, Big 12 homies, what's up? Not have that series, but we'll have a bunch of those soon enough. All good. Jerem, after the Nets are cut down on the women's basketball side here in Las Vegas, I know you are all in on Gonzaga and St. Mary's for the I men's am. title. I'm not even watching it. Going to a movie okay. tonight. Well, then you've answered my question. <laughs> Do you even care who wins that game? No, I don't care. I'm going to the Batman tonight. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. I don't even care about St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Fun fact, two years ago, two years ago, 2020? Yeah, it's been a decade since 2020. That's the first time I didn't actually watch the title game because we had been down at that tourney every year since 2010. I drove home, and then St. Mary's actually beat Gonzaga for the shift. So I was like, should I have yeah. stayed and watched that? And the answer is no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who do you want to win? I I mean, just for the sheer logistics of it all, St. Mary's beating Gonzaga again would be pretty wild, like two times in a row. And how much would that push the Gales up in the seating line? Like the St. Mary's are in like a four or five seed they'd beat Gonzaga listen, again. Listen, listen. And does that somehow help? Yes. Does it somehow help BYU because BYU has beaten St. Mary's head to head? We figured it out. This is how BYU gets in. St. Mary's beats Gonzaga. <laughs> and then the net is like 12 and it's like, BYU's got an, a great win over St. Mary's. <laughs> this is how it happened. We yeah. figured it out. Yes. We need the Gales yes. to win tonight. Everyone, yes. start fasting. That same man. Get the deli. God doesn't care. 
Get the deli gnome. Put him up on the desk in my spot, Jaren. I got it. Hold on. Hold on. I'm it. I'm it. Hold on. getting the deli gnome. Get the deli gnome. Let's Put it on the Gale. desk. Let's go, Gale. Yes. Let's go. Yes. It's all about the Gales tonight. Improve feel, that net for BYU, I feel dirty baby. doing this, but it's all good. <laughs> figured it out. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now to preview those matches is BYU volleyball star. He is an Italian gentleman and a fantastic human being. Davide Gardini is with us. Welcome back to Studio B. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be here. I know this has been, in a word, an interesting season for you, full of uh, challenges and what is perceived as you know primarily downs, but how... Have you and your team been able to handle the adversity? Because this is a unique challenge at BYU. It just doesn't happen often. How are you handling the adversity? Yeah, as you said, it's been pretty unique for all of us. None of us have been in this spot before, not even the older guys that we went through my freshman year season where we struggled a lot. So I think that the thing we're focusing on right now is to just make sure that we're getting better. Because the way the season is structured, you just need to be good when April comes. Like at the end of April when we're playing the conference playoff, that's when we need to be good. So if we, if we get better and we're playing our best volleyball, then all we need is to win three matches at that point. And then you're in the tournament. So we're not going to hope for an all-large bid at this point anymore for the tournament. And, yeah, that's the only thing we can do. Stay focused on the present and work hard to get better. Love that. Well, and you've talked about how your role as a leader has changed because of the situation. So take me through the differences in your role as a leader on the court as well as off now. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's tricky right now also because I'm dealing with a couple injuries that are keeping me out and I'm not being able to practice with the team every day. Uh, but on the court, I just try to like let my actions do the work, like let the guys see that I'm working hard, I'm, I'm trying to do the right things and hope that, you know, that's going to be enough to lead them and help them like through tough moments and everything else. When I'm outside of the court, it's a little more challenging, got to be a little more creative, you know, just make sure you have good connections with all the guys, talk a little bit with them about their life and different things, build up like a good team culture. So it's, it's different, but I've been, I've been working on that for sure. Now, outside of uh, being swept in three sets in just two of the matches over the current nine-match losing streak, it just feels like everything is a battle. But, like, in the fifth set, in so many of these, it just has not gone your way. So how do you overcome the frustration of knowing you're right there? And in a few of these matches, you're up two sets to none, and then then it goes away. So how do you overcome that specific frustration and close the deal? It's tough. I don't, I don't know how we're going to do that because we haven't done it clearly yet. <laughs> we're working towards it. Um, I think s- s- we just got to remember that we have not a lot to lose in those situations because how, how the season is going so far with the losing record, uh, we want to get better, but you cannot have the pressure of like having to win or like needing something out of a game. So when you're just up in like those situations, we should just be able to play like, you know, Let's just keep playing our way, not stress about the result or anything else, which I feel like we do sometimes. We get up there, we're like 2-0, two two oh, up 2-0, oh, and we're like, oh, 
now we get a we get a win this. I'm like, okay, let's just keep playing volleyball, let's keep the pressure on them, do the easy things, and then that will happen. But when we get to the fifth set, then I think the fifth set is just literally flipping a coin. So yeah, it hasn't gone our way yet, but it probably will at some point, <laughs> hopefully when it matters. <laughs> well, and I've got to assume, though, that, that a lot of what this season is, and we, and, you know, Coach Olmstead even talked about it, you know, it's going to be an improvement. This team's not going to be the same team, you know, at the end of the year that it, that it was at the beginning of the year. So I've got to imagine it's probably about focusing on where the team is getting better and it's like, okay, here's what we are doing right right now. Let's build off of that. What are some of those things? Uh, there is major things we've been getting better at and that, that just make us feel good about our game. It, like attacking right now, we speed up our, our offense and our numbers have gone up incredibly. We're working on our serving errors because we, we made a lot of them at the beginning of the season. Now we're like cutting some errors off and like serving much better. Uh, blocking floor defense, I think those are like the main things we're getting better at. But it, it's also a fine line between being <clears throat> okay with, hey, we're getting better and being complacent with losing. And I don't think we're doing that. I think we are like still wanting to win sure. every game, but you cannot always just be like, hey, we're getting better. That's okay. That's all we need. We also need to win volleyball games. But I think we have a right mindset on that and just keep working on it. Davide Gardini is on BYU Sports Nation. And respect for you for coming in, doing this, pumping the matches. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, again, this is, this is a tough scenario, but you've embraced, you've embraced this role, man. Um, how much of this is sports psychology? Like, uh, like where, h- how have you developed in that regard? A lot, a lot. It's, uh, it's, all of it is psychology this year, honestly. I'm focusing more on that than on the volleyball part. <laughs> I just need to work on that. It's, a, it's, it's fun. But I, I think this year is good for me. I, I needed this. You know, when you have, like, two good seasons, like the, like the one we had the past couple of years, you have fun and you win, but you don't necessarily learn a lot about yourself or the other guys around you. And I think when you're losing, like, like what's happening this year you learn way more and uh, you know not just about volleyball just life in general how do you deal with some guys after a loss how do you how do you keep your head up in different in difficult moments so there's a lot of good things coming out of this season and if we can turn things around it's going to be even better but we'll, we'll see Concordia is the match coming up next what, what are your thoughts on this match at Smithfield House it's a it's a f- tricky match for us 100% I don't think we can overlook anybody this year and Concordia has always been one of those teams that is at the bottom of our conference, but they're playing better this year. So everybody's playing better this year, honestly. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We we need to come out strong and make sure that we can put it on them all the time. Because we do that. We play our volleyball and we're just doing very well. And then all of a sudden we just we just let go a little bit and we let Pete, like the other teams come in and play better. So if we keep pressure on them, it's gonna be it's gonna be good for us. Obviously, your health is a big part of bolstering the BYU lineup, and so I do need to follow up. You said you've yeah. been working through a couple of injuries. Uh, how significant are we talking in terms of these injuries? And you know, if you had to put like a percentage on, like I'm eighty percent healthy or eighty five percent, where would you say you are right now? I don't know if I can give you a percentage because the point is all these injuries, I'm, I can play on them. Mm-hmm. I, when, when games come, I can play on them. It hurt, but I can still play 100%. Uh, the point is, do we want to like practice every day and make it get worse and then possibly be like a 70 or 80% during the game? Probably not. So that's what we're working with. It's like, hey, they're not major ish, major injuries, but let's just make sure we rest them, we take care of them yeah. in the first days of the week, and then we just start 
getting ready for the game. You know what all this tells me, Jason? Hmm. Davide is a gamer. He's a gamer. When it's time for the match, he's going to be there. I don't, a, li- not... I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be a practice player, too. I'm trying. I'm, try- I'm trying, but it's hard. No, I, I mean that. <laughs> you as know a, who loves to hear that is Sean. Yeah. I, I mean that as a compliment because yeah. not everybody, not every athlete, and, and this is not meant to point fingers, not every athlete is like, you know what? I'm hurting. But I'm still going to play. I'm oh. still going to practice. I'm still going to. Not every athlete wants to do that. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to rest for a little while. Like, why have you chosen that route where it's like, no, like, I, I might not be feeling great, but I'm playing. I'm involved with my life, and it's what I need to do. That's why I'm here at BYU. That's the main reason why I decided to come. And, and I just can't not do it this year with this team, with like all the different like scenarios and what we got going on. I just need to do that. And, and I love doing it, honestly. I, I, even if I'm hurt, if I'm playing volleyball, I'm having fun, and that's it's literally what I love to do. So there's not a reason for me not to try and go out. And unless I'm literally like injuring my body even more and I'm feeling it, and I, I don't think it's a smart idea, I'm always gonna try and go for it. So you mentioned having fun. Uh, why don't you take us through this TikTok video? <laughs> uh, how much fun are you having in this video where uh, people are taking? Your personal belongings and hiding them. Your walk, shoes. Walk us They're through. My new shoes too. <laughs> Those are some pretty impressive shoes, by the way. Yeah. So, so what? To, take us through this. Uh, what we're watching here. I was, I was just lifting, and then all of a sudden, I stand up. I look up back at my rack, and I see that there's my shoes are not there. They're brand new. So I was always kind of looking at them because I love my shoes, uh, and <laughs> and so I just started looking around, and I understood the guys were like hiding them. But it's a whole weight room, and it was empty, so it could have been anywhere. <laughs> so I started looking around. The guys were just giggling. The media girls were like recording it and uh, just say hey I, I think I spent like a good 10-15 minutes and they were like actually in an easy spot so I'm kind of embarrassed for <laughs> I, should, I should have done much better but I don't know I didn't think of it first so the colors of the shoes yes are yeah. fantastic are you a sneaker you. are you a sneakerhead like you collect shoes I don't collect shoes I'm not not in that way but for volleyball shoes uh, yeah I like to have many different type like shoes that I can play with do, do you have a favorite pair of shoes is there a go-to that's like, that's my number one? As of right now, yes. The Giannis. Okay. The okay. Freak 3, like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This year, they've just been impressive for hey, me. let's so. go. But I kind of change my mind every year. I find a new pair that I like. So. Nice. Yeah. Yes. They're literally called the Freak 3. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. I am for <laughs> it. Great. Nice. David, it's great to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming in studio. Uh, sure. Obviously, we'll give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can play through that pain. Need play it. well. We can snap this losing streak, man. Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's go. Do. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. ESPN put BYU quarterbacks as number 25 on its top 25 quarterback power rankings. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the future of the Cougar quarterback? I'm very confident as long as Aaron Roderick is the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And as long as he has the resume of coaching up Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, who is going to be an NFL quarterback as well. Yes, I'm very confident. Uh, Who's the next guy after Jaron? It's going to be a fun conversation. We'll see who shows up in the mix and who becomes that guy. Is it Conover? Is it Cade Finnegan? Is it Soljay Mayala? Come play quarterback at BYU. Go to the NFL. That rhetoric is now developing again. Yep. Yeah, let's go. Jaron, we talked about BYU baseball's big win over Oklahoma State in Arlington, Texas. They're ranked, Oklahoma State. Will BYU be ranked at some point this season? They already were in one poll. I think they'll jump back in next week. Um, Probably even with one win in this series. If they win this series, 
Yeah, let's when, go. When you sweep Arizona State on the road, and now you're beating Oklahoma State, and you're five and zero against Power Five baseball teams, yeah, you you're going to you're going to be ranked. Yes, they'll be ranked at some point this season. Yes. BYU announced an alumni game for March 31st. The two teams we were not in much. <laughs> we're not alone. <laughs> will be led by former BYU quarterbacks Max Hall and it's a throwback Kevin Federick. Are you Team Hall or Team Federick in this I, alumni game? I do love Max. Got to know Max. We were in school with Max. And uh, he hates Utah like I hate Utah. But I only own one of these two guys' jerseys. Jerem has a Kevin I have Federick a Kevin Fe- from game, the Motors- game-worn jersey. Autographed. Motor City Bowl. Like, no one had. This must have been his backup one because he got sacked a lot. It would have had turf burns. Okay? Mm-hmm. So this is clearly the backup jersey. But Federick, so dreamy, dude. I love Kevin Federick. <laughs> I met him for the first time on a golf course in La Quinta, California with his dad. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was so I'm, random. I'm, I'm happy that Kevin Federick's going to be slinging it left-handed around, uh, you know, Lavelle Edwards Stadium one last time. He's Mar- 500 yards against Washington. Margin Hook's coming back to catch his passes? Seriously, let's go. 80-yarder <laughs> against Utah. Let's go. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.